today's title is Begin Again. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the Holy Ghost to minister through us, to us. Thank you, Father, for encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to your people. And I believe that as your word says, my sheep hear my voice. We are hearing your voice today in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, this is the common English Bible. It says this, this is how love has been perfected in us so that we can have confidence in the day of judgment, so we can have confidence on the judgment day. I got that backwards. Because we are exactly the same as God in this world. I know that just really twerks everybody's religious mind. And, uh, but this is the thing. God lives in us. And if he is truly one, but like the Bible says, I'm really having an effect this morning. <laughs> if God is truly one with us, as the Bible says, then we should walk even as he walked. Amen? And uh, there's... There's this religious mindset that says that it's, it's just Jesus is so different from all of mankind. But the Bible says this, he became one of us. God became man. And in Philippians, it says that he laid down or emptied himself. It actually says he emptied himself of his godly attributes. He could only be at one place at one time. He wasn't all over the world. He was only at one place at one time. He could only do what he saw his father do. He said, I speak only what I hear my father speak. Why? Because he emptied himself of God. And he became one of us so that he could be not only an example. I think when we say he's our example, I don't think that's the right terminology. He wanted people to know and experience what God is really like. Jesus wants all of us to know what God is like. People say, well, God is like this. If you look in the Old Testament, God is like this. If you want to look in there, God is like this. No, you need to find out what God is like. Look at Jesus. He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a way maker. We sing about it. But we need to experience that. All right. I'm done. Let's take up an offering. Let's go home. <laughs> now y'all get happy. I wrote this down. This thought came to me this week. If you are not having the results you want, what do you need to do? If you are not having the results you want, what do you do? And then why don't most Christians see themselves in Christ and see the victorious life that God has for them? I think the biggest thing is this, is that um, because people don't experience what they read in the Word of God and it, their life doesn't line up with that, the reality of who we are, then they just cast that aside and, and don't really meditate or think that that is possible. Let's just be serious. You know, people who believed in healing 
Did you know most denominations, you know, a hundred years ago believed that God would heal them? Not everybody, but a lot. But this is what has happened over traditions of time. The Bible says this. It's the traditions of man that causes the word of God or the power of God to have no effect. This is the problem. That when you are believing for something and it doesn't happen, then your experience is speaking louder than what the word of God says. And so you grab hold of your experience instead of the word. Amen or oh me. Just because it doesn't happen that one time, you still have to keep believing. Finances, you still have to keep believing. Your physical body, you still have to keep believing. And even if, it, and let me just say this, if it never lines up, you still don't change what you believe. Amen. One thing that we have to do, I'm going to be saying a lot of things. You know, I was... When I was studying to, to present this message, I just thought, man, this really sounds boring, God. You know? It's pretty bad when the pastor thinks it's a boring. How was the message? Oh, it was boring. But anyway, I was talking. I just was thinking that. I go, this sounds really boring, what I'm going over, because I said, you know, a lot of people already know this. It's just that. He goes, just because people know it doesn't mean they are walking in it, including you, Mike. So I said, okay, I got that. You control your thinking and you control every temptation that comes your way. We talked about, just mentioned sin last week, you know. Uh, I remember one time one guy quit our church because he says, you never preach on sin. I go, do you know right from wrong? Yes. I said, there's your message. <laughs> yeah, he didn't laugh. But anyway... Uh, this is, we said that Adam and Eve did not have the old nature or the sin nature, yet they sin. People believe that if they sin because they still have the old nature. No, Adam and Eve sinned. They did real good at sinning, and they were perfect in God. It's because they have a free choice and because they were deceived. But Adam and Eve hadn't thought about the tree of knowledge of good and evil they hadn't been tempted because of it. They didn't think about it. But once Satan brought that to their attention, they started thinking. The, the, the thought process started to happen. So Satan's first step toward their sin was to get them to think about what God told them not to think about. So sin always starts in our thoughts. If we control our thoughts, we can control ourselves and not sin. What a simple and powerful truth that is. Our thinking. Adam and Eve became dominated by their senses instead of controlled by their spirit. And that's what happens when you start thinking wrongly. And you start thinking, you, you know, I mean, how many know that Adam and Eve were, were naked before they sinned? And yet there was no shame. There was, they didn't even think about that. But then once they sinned, their physical eyes focused on the physical instead of the spiritual. And that's what the enemy wants you and I to do, to focus on the physical instead of the spiritual. Because the physical, it's going to seem more real than the spiritual. But in reality, we have a hard time getting a hold of this. The spiritual is more real than what you can feel, taste, touch, 
and smell. The spiritual is more real. That, the Bible says it this way. That which is seen was created by the unseen. So the unseen is more powerful in reality, more real than what we can see and feel. This will help you when it comes to when you're getting attacked in your body. I know some people are going to think, man, Mike, you're just getting weird now. I did something real funny. Melody says this from time to time on a weekly basis. Um, She's, Mike, you're just weird. I said, this is what got her attention. I said, you're Mrs. Weird. She doesn't say it nearly as often as she used to. You were Mrs. Weird. Why did I bring that up? I don't know. But anyway. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. That, yeah. Adam and Eve, they, they literally became blind spiritually once they sinned. But the great news about all of this is this, that we got our spiritual eyesight back because of Jesus. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So they became the provider. They tried to provide something for themselves that they knew that they needed. They were living by the physical realm. And so they didn't see themselves as Christ saw them to the point that they thought that they knew. Listen to me. This is where a lot of us struggle. They thought they knew how Christ saw them after they sinned. And so what did they do? They tried to cover themselves, and then they ran from God. But yet this is what God did. You know, because I always thought growing up that when you sin, God shuns you from then on. But that's not really, that's not really. It's what the Bible, the Bible does not teach that. When they sinned, what did God do? He chased them down. Adam, where are you? I'm coming after you, Adam. You know, you need to get a hold of this. There's some of you who got kids that are running from God. Boy, I tell you what, you can run, but they can't hide. There's going to be a hook in their britches that one day God's just going to start reeling in the process, man. And they're just coming in like you're catching a fish on a hook. He will bait them. God is more sneaky than anything or anybody that you could ever dream of. He's sneaky. You know, I heard one preacher say that his eighth name is Jehovah Sneaky. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. And also Jehovah Sneaky, he will sneak in on you when you don't least expect, when you're not even expecting it. And he will catch your kids and cause them to be turned on to Jesus. So, you empower what you believe. You empower what you believe. If you believe (laughs) that you're getting sick. You will empower that sickness to come on you. This is no condemnation or guilt. I'm trying to help us all. Everybody realize I'm trying to help you. So when you start feeling symptoms, if your thought process, what you are controlling in your brain, your thoughts, if you start thinking, I am getting sick. I, you don't have to say, I believe I'm getting sick. When you start thinking, 
I'm getting sick. What are you doing? You don't realize, and I don't realize this, but you are empowering the sickness to have its way with you. Listen, we have to get over this notion that the devil is more powerful than God, that the devil is more powerful than you. It's only more powerful if you've empowered him. Why didn't Satan just come to Adam and Eve and said, open up your mouth. I'm going to shove this apple right down your throat. He couldn't do that. He had to deceive them to believe him so that he would be empowered. I love this illustration that the Lord gave me about 10 years ago. I say it about three or four times a year. So this is the first time this year. So those who are keeping record. The Lord gave me this illustration that we have been, this is what Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I've given you power. I've given to you authority and power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Who has the power? We do. Who has the power? Who does not have the power? Satan. So just remember that. So the Lord, I was in this vision dream or whatever it is. I had, you know... Fatigues on. I had an AK-47 strapped to me. I locked it launcher, launcher. That was a bad launcher. That's what that is. But anyway, I had all of this, uh, a sword and guns and knives. And I mean, I was a one-man army with all of this weapons, things I didn't even know what they were. Obviously, because I can't see them. But anyway, all these weapons that are on my body. And then a thief came and knocked on my door. And opened up the door, and he had a black mask on and everything, and he had nothing. He had no weapons, not even a pocket knife. He did not have anything. And he said, I came here to rob you and to steal from you. And I said, oh, you did? I said, oh. And so I took off my gun, and I started taking off all my weapons, and I gave them to him. And the Lord says, that's the enemy coming to you and to me. He does not have the power, but you empower him by what you have to give him the power. You have to give him the weapons. He is totally stripped. He has no power. He doesn't even have a gun to shoot, but you can give him a gun to shoot. When you get offended, you're giving people weapons. There's people living in people's minds rent-free for decades. You know, you talk to some people and you think they got divorced last week. Oh, it's 1975. <laughs> Holy cow, you got divorced in 1975? Yeah, I thought it was like yesterday, the way that you're talking and acting. People are living rent-free in people's minds, just thinking about what they did to them. You are empowering the enemy when you do that. But this is what we need to do to get out of that. We need to get the word of God in us. And I know we all know this, but we're not living like it. We have to get the seed. The seed is one of the most powerful things. I, I read this one thing uh, in the history. I probably saw it on the History Channel. But uh, that they found some seed that was thousands of years old. They didn't know exactly, but it was thousands of years. It was in an urn, urn, some kind of pottery thing. And they found this seeds in it, and they, it was like quite a few, but they planted one, and it produced, it grew. Unbelievable. God has put tremendous power in seed that it will produce 
as long, this is the thing, it's in the right soil, good soil, and gets the moisture, no matter what the seed will produce. But for it to produce, you can't just lay on a piece of concrete. It'll lay there. It has the same power as it did if it was put in the ground. But that seed will, even though it has the ability, listen to me, even though it has the ability, it will not produce until it's put in the ground, the right soil. The Bible says this. Jesus says, if you want to know the most important parable, you can learn all of these parables. There's a parable about the seed and the sower. If you throw the seed on solid ground, it won't produce, but the birds come and, and eat it up. If it's on rocky and, and uh, thorns and thistles, it will spring up, but the thorns and the thistles, they'll choke it out. But then you can put that same seed in good ground. It'll produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. He says that the soil is your heart and my heart. And he says, if you plant the seed, which is the word of God, Jesus said, into your heart, it is effortless for it to produce. It will produce. It just has to be planted. It does not take your ability, my ability to make the seed produce. So we have to get a hold of the word of God, plant it in our heart by meditating on it. You're watering it. You're not going to get, if it doesn't produce tomorrow, you're not going to get offended and that, that, oh, I guess it doesn't work. I was believing by his stripes, I'm healed by his stripes, I'm healed by his stripes, is healed. No, I tried that. It doesn't work. That's like putting a green bean seed in the ground and saying, well, it, it just doesn't produce. No, it will 100% produce if it's in the right soil. You don't have to go... Okay, let's all grab hands and let's pray over the seed. Let's just believe God for the seed. There's no, you don't even have to pray over seed. Amen. I said, you don't have to pray over seed. You don't have to believe that. I'm just praying that this seed, I just pray that this word will do what it's supposed to do. God's going, really? Really? No, no, no. The seed will produce. It takes zero effort to get the seed to produce. I said it takes zero effort to get the seed to produce. It will produce. It just has to be in the right soil. And if it's in the right soil, it will produce 30, 60, 100 fold. It will produce much more than what you or I could ever dream or imagine it to produce. But you have to believe that. And so, first of all, he says you have to understand what the word is that's going into you. So there is an understanding process. That's why we have children's church, to teach children on their level. I actually probably teach on their level. That was a joke. But anyway, uh, you have to understand what you're putting in. But once you understand it, then there comes the protection uh, of, of watering it and making sure everything is right about your heart. Not the seed, your heart. So you have to start believing that. Meditating upon that. you got to get your heart right. And I'm not talking about heart right being, oh, am I in sin or I'm in that? No, your heart right in, do you believe in what the word, the seed is that it's in? Do you, it's like, I believe this is green beans, so I'm going to plant green beans. I believe that. What happens if I plant the green beans in the soil? It produces green beans. You don't have to worry about it. I sure hope it's not spinach. I really don't like spinach. I hope it's not spinach. I'm really wanting green beans, and so I'm just praying and believing. No, people look at you like, what was the seed? Green beans? 
And you're hoping it's not spinach, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to cancel my lunch appointment with you today. No, it's, it's going to produce. You have to believe that what you plan in your heart, it will produce. And so this is my point of the title of the message is to begin again. We need to begin again what God, what you've known 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years, some of you 50 or 70 years ago. You need to begin again like it's an exciting time for the word of God to be planted in your heart because it will produce what he said it will produce. He said it for to this, Jesus said, it shall not return void. It will not return void. What is planted on the inside shall produce. And it's time for church people, of all people, to experience what they know about the Word of God. We need to experience. Man, some of you, I need, I don't know about you, but I need a financial miracle in my, my life. Not for me, but I need a financial miracle so I can be blessed beyond to the point. This is what the Word of God said. Uh, I don't have my phone. I got it my phone. It's in Hosea chapter 3. Somebody Google it. It says this, that in the last days, people will be in fear and awe of the goodness of God. I know there's a lot of gloom and doom out there. And like I said, I'm, there's, until Jesus comes back, there's always going to be some kind of gloom and some kind of doom. All right? Every year, you know. First of the year, there's people prophesying supernatural blessing, and there's people prophesying that there's going to be doom, there's going to be another pandemic. Well, this is the problem. What do you believe? Because you will empower what you believe. You can prosper in the time of the pandemic, and there's people that did. You have to get a hold of God's word. Isaac sowed in the time of famine, and he prospered. To the degree, listen to me, that the religious or the, the leader of, of that city, I forgot where it was at, but he told him to leave because he was getting too powerful and too prosperous. He told him to leave. I don't know about you, but that's, you got to have more than a couple hundred dollars. Melody and I went to the Steel Mill Museum. You've been to the Steel Mill Museum? We've lived here for like 50 million years, and we finally went. And, but uh, I love history. I really do. And this uh, little lady took us, and man, she worked there for 17 years. You talk about, I, I told Chris this morning, I have never talked to anybody since I've lived in Pueblo that knew as much about Pueblo as she did. I mean, I was just like, Man, I started asking her questions, and she answered every single one of them. Back in the 50s, did you know the steel mill had 22,000 employees? In the 50s, 22, over 22,000 employees. If it wasn't for the steel mill, Pueblo would not exist. We would be some um, agricultural rural area. Pueblo would not even exist today if it wasn't for the steel mill. Rockefeller owned the steel mill in the 40s. For 40 years, he owned the steel mill. Rockefeller. Man, we've had some prestigious 
stuff in our history that I didn't even know about. I said, Rock, the Rockefeller? Yes. They had more mines and businesses outside of the city of Pueblo throughout the whole state, but it was all ran by the steel mill. 10% of the workforce of the state of Colorado was employed by the steel mill. 10% the whole state. They were, I read this one thing, and it said that they uh, were doing some kind of renovation or doing something to it. And this was back, I forgot what it was. It was like the 40s or 50s or something. It said they were going to do a $10 million investment into this. And I went, $10 million? That's a lot of do-re-mi today. Can you imagine? Back in the, it may have been the 20s or 30s or 40s. It was one of those decades that they did a $10 million upgrade. Somebody had vision enough that 10 million, yeah, we'll do that. I'd say it'd be probably like 100 million today. I don't know, but it, it would be a lot more than 10 million. What am I saying? If people who just believe in their own natural intellect to do something as far as being that adventuresome and risk-taking and thinking big, how much more should the believer? We need to begin again. Man, there's some people that have failed. You know, you talk and read about every million billionaire. They, they've lost it all, most of it, at least once or twice. But it didn't phase them because they knew that I can do this again. And Christians, I mean, we... Our 401k goes down a little bit, and we'll just go in the cubby hole and cry until mom comes back and changes our diaper. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we need to begin again in thinking big. Some of you have just given up. Given up on having good health. Given up on <laughs> losing weight. Given up. I said it. it given up on, on prospering. Given up on, on just I- expanding your thought process. You will empower what you think about. What you believe. You say, well, I'm, you know, I'm Pastor Mike. I'm retired. I, I don't, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not even paddling down the river. I'm just floating down the river of life. I'm going to tell you something. Even if you're retired, you need to believe God for things. I don't know about you, but before the day that I die, I intend on giving away tons of money. (laughs) You got to have it to give it away. I said you got to have it to give it away. People are hurting. People are hurting. And God says, I want them to be taken care of. But I remember about two years ago, ago that the Lord said, you know, there's people, Mike, that will never believe that I want them to prosper, and they will struggle, but I want my children to still be blessed. So he says, I've got to raise up people like you and me that will go out and help that one to get a house because they know they can never get a house. Not that it's because God's withholding. It's just they've empowered what they believe. You believe my dad, my great great granddad was poor, my granddaddy was poor, my dad was poor, so I'm just going to be poor. You empower that belief system. 
But this is the thing. God loves them and wants to provide for them just as much as he does anybody else. That's why we sing he's a good, good father. He will empower and help those who feel like they, they, they can't help themselves. And God says, all right, I can still help you. I can still help you. He wants to raise people up to think like that. I said he wants to raise people up to think like that. I believe that to do this, we have to bring up our revelation of who God is to a different level. Out in the foyer, rethink God. That's one of the most powerful things I, I, I've gotten a hold of from God. Rethink God. What does that mean? Most of us think of God a certain way, and God always is telling me that's not even remotely big enough. I've said this. Nobody's going to get to heaven and, and be able to say this to God. You know, you. I thought that you were a lot better than what you really were. Yeah, I thought you were a lot, thought you were a lot gooder than what you really are. Nobody's going to be able to No, every testimony is, I did not think you as being good enough. You are so far. And the Bible says this. It will take, listen to me, all of eternity for him to express his goodness to us. It will take all of eternity for him to manifest his goodness and his love to us. You will not experience it in one millennium of the, in heaven. So what makes us think that we are thinking of God being too good down here? Oh, that's just too good to be true. When you're dealing with mankind, yeah, it could be. But dealing with God, no, it's never, you can never out thank God of being too good. This is the problem. Begin again. Begin again thinking that way about God. They come and hook your car up to a wrecker because, you know, it's a piece of junk and it won't start or whatever. You begin again to think that, you know, thank you, God, for a vehicle, for a house. And then when you get that, I'm going to get, because God helped me, I want to get some, I want to help God. Get somebody else. I help, not God, help somebody to get a house. God helped me to get somebody to get a house. To have that in your mind. To have that in your mind. And honey, you can be retired and, and you can do that. So this is what I'm thinking. Don't think that, you know, I'm just, my, my life is done. I've did my, I'm retiring. And so I'm just going to rest. And then, yeah, I, have, I believe you should rest. I believe you should go on a world vacation. I believe you, all of that. But then when the dust settles, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with it? Begin again to think that God can still use you in the supernatural realm to be a blessing to those around you. The 30, 60, 100 fold, what the Bible talks about is that, listen, you only need a, uh, to provide for your family what you need for, to cover your goods and your bills and everything. But 30 times more means you can do 30 times more people, 60 times more people, 100 times more people you can bless. The word is always too much. It's the expression of God. He 
showed this to us and we don't get it. You know, he just used Peter's boat. Peter, can I use your boat? You know, the, the crowd was pressing against him. They were going to press him right into the lake. And so he got up in Peter's boat and said, can I use it? Yeah, sure, you can use my boat. He gave his sermon, preached the good news. And then the message over, everybody went their way. And he says, Peter, go ahead and cast your nets out. Just slip out a little ways and cast your nets out. You know, Lord, we've been, I'm a professional fisherman. You're a professional preacher. I'm a professional preacherman. I mean, fisherman. You know, we fished all night, and we didn't catch anything. You know, if I just go out just a little ways, you know, first of all, the fish is at nighttime. That's when they bite, you know. That's when we catch them, at nighttime. I know you don't understand this. You're a preacher, but, you know, we did that. We didn't catch anything. Jesus said, just go out a little ways and catch your nets over on the side. He did. He says, um, okay, we'll do what you say. This is the mercy of God. Even when you think, I don't really understand this word, but I'm just going to do and believe what his word says. And man, he did. And you think he would have caught, you know, 10 fish? I'm not a great fisherman. I'm not a fisherman. My wife's a fisherman. I'm not a fisherman. I like to catch, but I don't like to fish. But anyway, she, he, so if you caught 10, 20 fish, 30 fish, that would be, whoa, you, you would have a fish story. I went fishing, and I caught 50 fish. I've never heard any fisherman come back. I caught so much fish, my boat began to sink. Unless you catch Moby Dick. I mean, but I mean, he was catching so many fish. What does that tell you? That God is not just interested in meeting your need. He's not just interested in meeting your need. Begin again to think that God is bigger than that. Tunnel vision. Or vision just on yourself. Just on yourself. And thinking that there's almost, is it 7 billion or 8 billion now? People on the planet. Eight, going on 8 billion people. 8 billion people that God put, listen to me, that God put everything in this planet before one man was ever put on this planet. He said everything is in this planet to prosper mankind. Everything is here to prosper mankind. Which means if you run out of something, God says there's something else there to meet your need. As long as the world exists, there will be seed time and harvest. Which tells me that if you are planting, you're going to be reaping. Always. I said always. If you're planting, you're going to be harvesting. Problem is, what are you planting? What are you, what are you putting inside of your heart? For out of the heart flow all of the issues of life. Flow out of the heart. Either bad or good, it's going to come out of your heart. You know, who was it? I don't know. One of the old, um, I don't know if it was Da Vinci, one of those guys. It wasn't him, but back in that time. He says, one guy says he can't do it, one guy says he can. And he said, they're both right. They're both right. If you empower that you can't do it, you can't. 
if you empower that you don't listen to me, that you don't have enough faith to get healed, you're right. But if you empower that I have mountain-moving faith in me because it's not my faith, it's God's faith that's been imparted to me. I don't have much time, so let me skip to this part real quick. This is one of the main parts I wanted to get to. You know, we seek God. How many of you know that you can just seek God just because you want to get him to know him better, and it's more of a natural seeking you know, you do your baby, like Melody, man, she has a whole library in her morning devotional. She comes into the living room, I'm in there, and she's got this satchel, and it's got all kinds of devotionals and books and stuff, and, and uh, I tried that one time, one time. But anyway, uh, that's just not my cup of tea, but that's her every morning in life. Of life, you know, she. I make her a cup of coffee. That's my duty. I make coffee because the Bible says he brews. But anyway, <laughs> I, I would give her a cup of coffee, and you know, and she goes. And I do my thing. She does her thing as far as what we read and what we do and all that. So there, there is a natural part of seeking God. But listen, this is what I've been praying for you all. This is what it says in uh, John chapter 6, verse 44, the Passion Translation. The only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He pulls on their hearts to embrace me, and those who are drawn to me, I will certainly raise them up in the last day. Did you get that? Now, just think about what Jesus said. He says, you really can't come to me. Unless my Father draws you by His Spirit. Now, like I said, there's a side. God says, seek me and you shall find me. All right? So there is a natural seeking and you shall find. But I think what this is talking about is believing God for His grace. Listen to me. This has nothing to do with about how good you are. Or how intellectual you are, or just it has nothing to do with you whatsoever. But there is a grace to believe God for that God, by His Spirit, would draw you closer to Him in a supernatural way. Where it's effortlessly like, oh, I'm watching a football game, I really should be reading the word or doing something with God, you know, but you know. This is a really good game. No, it won't be that way. It won't be you having to put forth effort in that seeking God. It will be, I have to. It's just like the air that you breathe. I have to. I mean, if you hold yourself underwater for about 30 seconds, there's going to be a want to to come up, you know. You just want to come up and to breathe. I believe there is a grace. (laughs) I believe there is a grace available for you and I to ask God and to believe God for that he calls us by his spirit, a supernatural grace to call us into his presence to spend time with him. And that you 
will have to do that as much as the air that you breathe. It won't be a religious thing. You won't be filling out some religious square. You won't be looking at the clock. Have you ever done that? I've done that, you know, years past. I go, okay, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. You're walking into church, you know, five minutes. You're looking up at it, and you go, you don't say it out loud. Dear Lord, it's only been five minutes. Okay. But this is the thing. God knows that you're thinking that. He knows you're thinking that. You know what he's probably thinking? You should go do something else. (laughs) This is about as boring as a... You know, God does not want our relationship to be boring with him. I believe there's an excitement for... Man, the disciple. The Bible says this, worldly people, tax collectors, prostitutes, all these sinners, they wanted to come and spend time with Jesus. That's not because he was just some religious dude. He was an exciting guy to be around. I mean, you can't be a prostitute and go, hey, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to hang out with those people. No, man, you got, there's got to be something that draws them. You got to be drawn. And if you're drawn, man, you go, I got, I got to go spend time with God. I've got to go spend time with God. I'm praying that for you all. So get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I mean, you're going to just say, I'm not watching TV today. Oh, wow, you fasting TV? No, I just got, I got to breathe today, you know. I got to breathe. So I got to go spend some time with my father, my best friend. You know, you got a best friend. Everybody got a best friend? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have any friends at all. It's probably because you're not friendly. But anyway, the Bible says this, that you, if you have a, a friend... Your best friend, you, you just do stuff. You'll travel across the United States. You'll, you'll do this and you'll do that. Why? Because you just got to, I got to spend time with them. That's the way our Heavenly Father wants to have a relationship with you. Amen. Not that I have to. I got to go to church today. I have to go to church. I don't really want to go to church. Nellie says you're preaching today. You got to go. But anyway, <laughs> you, you have to go. No, God says, man, I want, oh. Man, he wants you to be busting the door down and say, Jesus, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I got bells on, I'm here. Man, he'll just hug you in his arms. No words have to be spoken when you're with your best friend. Just being in the presence, just being with him. Just hugging, he'll hug on you and love on you. Even if it's for a few minutes, it's the best few minutes you'll ever have. That's the kind of relationship God wants. Let me read you one more. I'm going way over. This is what Jesus is doing for you and me. Hebrews 7.25. So he's able to save fully from now throughout eternity everyone who comes to God through him, through Jesus. Because he lives to pray continually for them. Jesus is praying. So every once in a while, I'll just say, Jesus, just checking in on you to make sure you're praying for me today. I need it. You know, you can say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And to the best of my ability, anytime somebody, or if I say I'm going to be praying for you, I will pray. That's one thing, you know. But, I mean, to say, I mean, my prayers are just as powerful as Jesus, just so you know. And so are your prayers. Your prayers are just as powerful as as the prayers of Jesus. Some of you didn't get all that. I said, your prayers are just as powerful as the prayers of Jesus. But this is the thing. Every once in a while, I just said, Jesus, I'm, you know, I'm having a tough time just making sure that get that little prayer request in for me today, Jesus. 
The Bible says he's praying for you. He is praying for you. I remember when my mom passed away in 1999, I just thought, man, I, I was so selfish, you know, after I gr- the grieving process, you know, and then I thought, she prayed for me every day. I don't, bum, she prayed for me every day. You know, Saturday night, you're going to have a great service because, you know, I've been praying for you. Thanks, Mom. 1999, she passed away. So I, got, I went I so sad one time, and I was thinking, and I go, man, I don't know if anybody praying for me now. Anyway, I just thought, and Jesus said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. He's praying for you today. And this is what you need to believe God. Grace to be drawn by the Father to Jesus. It's a supernatural thing. You don't even have to get knowledge and revelation or anything else. Just being in the presence of the Master, your best friend, will change your life. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. By grace, we pray, Father, that you would draw Rocky Mountain Family Church and those who are watching online. Father, we just pray for each and every one of us that we as a family would be drawn to you, drawn to Jesus. Draw us by your spirit to be in your presence, to hear your voice, to see who we are in Christ. Help us to see that, God. And I know when that happens, supernatural things will start to happen. I know there will be angels opening up doors supernaturally. I know that the favor of God would be on display to those that are around us. That people will look at us and say, I know that's not you. So how, how and what, what, what caused that to happen? And we shall give the testimony, that is my God. The supernatural favor of God to wrap around your people that they'll not only prosper in their business, but they'll, they'll supernatural ways for money to come into them. People even to give money to them. When I, I don't know why I'm giving you this $10,000, but I just had a dream or I just feel I'm going to do this for you. Or I'm going to buy you a house. I'm going to do this. I'm going to promote you in that company. I'm going to make you the president of this company. Lord, we just believe for supernatural things like that. Divine Kairos moments that we couldn't be at the right place at the right time, but you and your anointing and your power and your ability will place your church people at the right place at the right time to see the supernatural hand of God on display. That the world may know that you're a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.